Just when you thought the news out of Washington could not get any worse, I am going to send a chill down your spine with three simple words. President Kamala Harris. This is a real possibility. It is not just coming from the fevered nightmares of conservatives. It is actually being predicted by the sitting president. And I can say as much as I want from the time my two daughters were born that you can do anything a man can do. It's one thing for somebody to say that and keep pounding that in the head of their five granddaughters as well. But guess what? Until they see it, until they watch, it becomes real then. That's why, by the way, she's it happens to be in Asia for me right now. But that's why we have a female vice president of the United States of America who's going to be we're going to have some presidents pretty soon. We're going to and we're going to have some presidents pretty soon. That would be a change of pace, wouldn't it? I think Joe Biden meant to say we're going to have female presidents pretty soon. Pretty soon. Does Joe Biden know something that we don't know? That would also be a first. Biden apparently does not know how many Americans are stranded in Afghanistan. He doesn't know how much of our military equipment the Taliban now owns. He doesn't know exactly who we're flying into America from the most violent country on earth. In fact, the only thing that we seem to know for certain right now about our politics is that things are likely going to get much, much worse. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. Welcome back to the show. My favorite comment yesterday from Ryan Weiss, who says, when Michael was talking about the woman on Twitter crying about cutting her son out of her life because he voted for Trump, my first thought was, I didn't know my mom was on Twitter. Lol. You know, it's funny. I mentioned this yesterday, but a woman crying as she couldn't speak to her own son anymore, her beloved son, just because he voted for the other political party. And I thought this has to be a joke. This has to be a troll. But then I had a number of people write into me saying that this described their families too. Pretty pathetic stuff. I just want some relief from all this crazy tension. And when I want relief, I turn to Relief Band. Do you ever find yourself nauseated? I often feel nauseated reading the news these days, but you can be nauseated also by, I don't know, morning sickness. You can be nauseated by hangovers. You can be nauseated by migraines. I get a number of migraines. Relief Band. That's the way to deal with it. It's the number one FDA cleared anti-nausea wristband. It's been clinically proven to quickly relieve and effectively prevent nausea and vomiting from all sorts of things. Anxiety, chemotherapy, right down to the regular old hangover. The product is 100% drug-free, non-drowsy, and provides all-natural, long-lasting relief with zero side effects for as long as needed. Relief band stimulates a nerve in your wrist. So it stimulates this nerve that travels to the part of the brain that controls nausea. It's incredible technology developed for use in hospitals. If you've ever tried a cheap imitator, don't forget about that. This is the one. It's actually FDA cleared. It's unbelievable stuff and no drugs. Right now, Relief Band has an exclusive offer for our listeners. Go to reliefband.com. Use promo code Knowles. You'll save 20% off plus free shipping and a no questions asked 30-day money back guarantee. R-E-L-I-E-F-B-A-N-D.com. Use promo code Knowles for 20% off plus free shipping. Joe Biden says pretty soon we're, we're going to have some presidents pretty soon. We're going to, we're going to have a, at which, which would be it. not just having a first woman president, but just having any president at all, because it seems that the guy who ostensibly is in the job right now is asleep at the wheel. It has been days and days and days since the Taliban took down Kabul, took down the Afghan government within 11 days of us really beginning to pull out. And the question remains, how many Americans are trapped there in Afghanistan? Biden has given multiple 
press conferences. They're supposed to be press conferences. The problem is he doesn't answer any questions from the press. Thank you. How many? Hey, I know you're you're just trying to tell us all to wear the masks and stuff and get the jab, but what about all the thousands of Americans in Afghanistan? And you know what often will happen? So Biden is just bolting. After he gives his statements, he just bolts these days because he can't answer any of the questions. But what has happened in the past with Biden is he'll give his statement. He doesn't want to take questions from the press. He starts to bolt and then he'll hear a question and he'll realize, oh, this is going to make me look weak. And he'll stop and he'll turn around. He's done this multiple times in front of the White House. He can't do that here. Not only because he knows that this is extremely politically damaging for him, the Afghanistan debacle, but also because he just doesn't know. No, no one seems to know how many Americans there are in Afghanistan. Initially, we were told, you know, a few thousand. Then it became more like five or seven thousand. Then we were told it's as many as ten or even fifteen thousand. But we're not being given the number. And now, Jen Psaki, spokeswoman at the White House, is saying that there are no Americans stranded in Afghanistan. Does the president have a sense that most of the criticism is not of leaving Afghanistan, it's the way that he has ordered it to happen, by pulling the troops before getting these Americans who are now stranded? Does he have a sense of that? First of all, I think it's irresponsible to say Americans are stranded. They are not. We are committed to bringing Americans who want to come home home. We are in touch with them via phone, via text, via email, via any way that we can possibly reach Americans to get them home if they want to return home. There are no Americans stranded is the White House's official position on what's happening in Afghanistan right I'm now. I'm just calling you out for saying that we are stranding Americans in Afghanistan when I said, when we have been very clear that we are not leaving Americans who want to return home. We are going to bring them home. Now, this is a very clever trick. It's it's not all that clever because it's so transparent, but it's it's at least clever in theory. Jen Psaki is being asked a question by Peter Ducey, one of the last reporters left in America. And the question is, what about these Americans who are stranded in Afghanistan? And Jen Psaki says, we are not going to strand any Americans in Afghanistan. You see, the, he's saying in the present tense, what about the Americans currently, right now, undeniably stranded in Afghanistan? And she says, no, no, there will not be anyone ultimately who is stranded in Afghanistan. The question isn't about your promises, Jen Psaki. The question isn't about your predictions. Frankly, the White House's predictions on Afghanistan have been pretty bad. They've been completely wrong, actually. And even the president has admitted that. And the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff has admitted that. And basically everybody involved in this evacuation has admitted that all their predictions turned out to be false. They didn't even think it was possible that it would go this bad. So please, for a moment, spare me your assurances and your predictions about what will happen in the future. What about the Americans stranded right now? No, we will not strand any Americans in Afghanistan. Oh, really? Like you won't lose all of our protective equipment and have it taken over by the Taliban? Like you won't lose the Kabul embassy? Like you won't, like you won't, like you won't give me a break. Like you won't prevent Americans from being caught there in the first place? Give me a break. By the way, two hours prior to Jen Psaki's preposterous statement, Politico reports that the Pentagon confirmed 
another mission to res- rescue Americans stranded in Kabul. That's the language from Politico. The, the, actually, the verb, or in this case, the adjective, stranded. <laughs> Pentagon confirms latest mission to rescue Americans stranded in Kabul. And listen to how they do it. This is, this is uh, in, in Politico. Apart from that mission, uh, a Pentagon spokesperson, John Kirby, said at a news briefing Monday that there had been, quote, at least one additional instance where rotary airlift was used to help Americans get from outside the airport into the airport. He declined to elaborate further, saying, I think I'm just going to have to leave it at that today. They used rotary airlift. What is rotary? What, well, there's only two... This is three ways to get something into the air. There's an airplane, there's a rocket ship, and there's a helicopter. And this one's rotary. So it's not a jet. It's not like fixed wind. Oh, Oh, it's a helicopter. Oh, you're talking about a helicopter, but you don't want to use the word helicopter because helicopter evokes those images out of Vietnam, out of the fall of Saigon, the worst American foreign policy debacle until now. Oh, that's so they're going to use all of these euphemisms. As always, the left is going to use all of these euphemisms. They're going to try to redefine all the words. They're going to try to use mealy-mouthed jargon. They're going to try to play around with verbs and adjectives to try to pretend that Americans are not currently stranded, like they're not being evacuated as fast as they can, though most experts think there's not nearly enough time before the August 31st deadline to get the Americans out of Afghanistan. Meanwhile, while we can't get the people we want out of Afghanistan, some prominent members of the blob of the liberal establishment, the deep state, are suggesting that we send some Americans into Afghanistan because we don't want them in our country anymore. The former director of both the CIA and the NSA, these are two very clandestine operations involved in spying and actually spying on Americans in some cases, Michael Hayden was sent a tweet. The tweet was, can we send the MAGA wearing unvaxxed to Afghanistan? No use sending the plane back empty. Hayden responds, good idea. Good idea. So one of the men to whom we gave more power to spy on not just foreigners, but also Americans than anyone has ever had in American history just about He is now openly calling for deporting conservatives because he doesn't like conservatives. And not even just conservatives, by the way. So he's got the MAGA wearing part, but then he's saying unvaxxed. So if you don't want to take the experimental drug for the virus that doesn't pose a particularly significant risk to most people, you are worthy of deportation. We don't want you in our country. And people with an outrageous amount of power and who have had very prominent roles in the government want to ship you over to a war zone. They want to get Afghans out, Afghans who are largely unvetted, which we'll get to in a second. They want to get them out and bring them into America to replace you because you, conservative, or you, person who even objects to to being forced to take an experimental drug, you are going to go live under the Taliban. They hate you. They don't like you. The ruling class doesn't want to come to a reconciliation, meet in the middle, shake hands and hug. They hate your guts. They think that you are a terrorist. They think that you are a murderer. They think that you are less than human, deplorable, irredeemable, bitter clinging, Bible thumping, and they want you out. You know, you know what I want in 
bio-optimizers. There's a zillion reasons why you can't get enough sleep, even though you're supposed to get seven hours a night, at least seven hours a night. One of the biggest reasons actually might be magnesium deficiency. Magnesium is key to getting good sleep, but 75% of people are actually magnesium deficient. So is it any wonder that so many people have sleep problems? To help fix sleep problems and to fully enjoy the calming effects of magnesium, check out Magnesium Breakthrough by BioOptimizers. It's the only organic full-spectrum magnesium supplement that includes seven unique forms of magnesium. For instance, you got Marie. She left a five-star review. She said, I'd give this 100 stars if I could. Within one month of use, I went from daily struggles with restless legs, horrible, terrible sleep, to no struggles with any of that. I know it sounds dramatic and far-fetched, but it's true. Magnesium Breakthrough is 100% organic. It's made with vegetarian, non-GMO ingredients. Give it a try right now. Check out for yourself why so many people are raving about Magnesium Breakthrough. For an exclusive offer for my listeners, go to magbreakthrough.com slash Knowles. Use Knowles 10 during checkout to save 10%. The war on the unvaxxed, the unclean, the unwashed continues apace. Now it's not just preening liberals on the coasts or people in the academy or people even in the, the media, Washington establishment. It's medical doctors. Even medical doctors now are throwing hissy fits because some people don't want to take an experimental drug that is supposed to fight off a virus that for most people is not particularly dangerous, but actually apparently doesn't even really prevent infection all that well. It, it, I suppose it ostensibly prevents the more serious effects of infection, but it doesn't, according to the science, doesn't really prevent transmission, doesn't really prevent infection. According to certain studies, you actually have the same viral load if you're vaccinated or unvaccinated. Doctors in Florida, 75 of them, are walking off the job to protest their unvaccinated patients, and the left-wing media are cheering them on. Just moments ago, more than 75 doctors staged a walkout to protest the number of COVID patients coming to the hospitals who have not been vaccinated. Oh the thing, hey, let, let's bring in Carrie Sanders, because Carrie, you're in Palm Beach Gardens, Florida, at this doctor's walkout. Carry what, what, and I know the area very well. What Americans don't understand is for every unvaccinated person that's filling up an ICU bed, that means with a hospital's jam, somebody with a heart attack, and I've known somebody in this position, goes there, has trouble getting in, can't get treatment, can't get a bed. It is a nightmare for the doctors. It is a nightmare for the nurses. And to the doctor's uh, point of view, it's worse yet. For sick people that want help from them. That is truly reflective of the frustration that you see behind me. And these doctors have gathered, some coming off their shifts to come out here, gathering to try to tell people, please, first of all, ignore the nonsense and the absurdities that you're hearing people say at public meetings and recognize the value of what a vaccine will do. It's about time. It's about time that these doctors finally summon the courage to refuse to treat sick people. You know, I, I've been waiting for it for, for a long time, basically since the Hippocratic Oath was written, that, that oath that the doctors take to do no harm and to do their best to do justice to, to their patients. Because some people, they just, they just don't care. They, they inconsiderately get sick. And then they expect, what, the doctors are just supposed to take care of them? I just, I wish that the doctors would take it further and also stage a walkout 
and refuse to treat all those fatties, you know, all those fatties who show up because those fatties, they show up and they, they have heart problems sometimes, you know, or they've got, sometimes they have diabetes. Sometimes they have all sorts of vascular issues and they're taking up hospital beds from the good skinny people, you know, or the gay guys, for instance, they really, the doctors need to go out and protest with the, the gay guys and refuse to treat them because the gay guys are statistically at a greater risk of contracting HIV and AIDS. So if they, if they contract those, that virus and that turns into, oh, they're going to take up a sick bed from a good not gay guy, right? So it's just, it's just in the interest of medicine and public health, it's about time the doctors refuse to treat AIDS patients, right? Or, or uh, smokers, for instance. It's a tough one for me, big fan of cigars. But you know, in, in fairness for justice, the doctors need to refuse to treat these smokers because what happens, smokers sometimes develop, there is a risk they will develop on occasion or even more than on occasion, health problems, heart disease, lung problems, mouth problems, and they'll take up hospital beds. Oh, hold on. That's the, that's their job, right? That's the job of the doctors to treat the sick people, but the doctors don't want to do that because the doctors don't understand what they're doing, because none of us really understands what we're doing, because we have lost the philosophical and political sophistication to discuss these matters, because all that is left is fear-mongering and contempt and disdain for our countrymen, specifically for conservatives, the only group that you are allowed to vilify in public. Even more so, people will vilify men for being men, you know, the patriarchy, or they'll vilify white people for white, white supremacy and whiteness is terrible. But, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll also vilify women when they go along with conservatives. I think Sarah Palin or somebody like that. They'll also vilify black guys if they go along with conservatives, like Larry Elder. We'll get to that in a second. So it's really just the conservatives who should not receive medical treatment who should be shipped over to live under the Taliban and very likely be killed in a war zone. Now, on the topic of the vaccine, there might be one political benefit to this hysteria over the vaccine, this hysteria over the coronavirus more broadly. It's, if, if it is not exposing for the left its own hypocrisy on other political issues, it's at least exposing it for a lot of us. There's a New York city councilman, Mark D. Levine. He is a city councilman in New York, and he wants to remind you that the new vaccination screening program for various indoor activities requires, here, well, I'll just use his own words, New York City's new vaccination screening program for indoor dining, etc., requires that you show proof of vax and, asterisks, ID. If you have an ID, don't forget to bring it. If you need an ID, get the city's IDNYC available to all, including undocumented. Here's how to get yours, and he includes the link. Didn't realize we had George Wallace on the New York City Council. Didn't realize David Duke was was able to get himself elected down in New York. ID? You, You expect New York, which has a substantial black population, you expect that New Yorkers can get IDs to go indoors? All right, Woolworth's lunch counter all over again, I guess. Black people can't get IDs. The Democrats have been telling me that for years. So now, you're, now you can't go into a restaurant if you don't have an ID. 
pretty soon we're going to have different water fountains if this guy has his way, right? Or the IDs have nothing to do with race. He goes on. He explains what the ID is for. The ID requirement is to help reduce fraud. Hold on. I'm going to have to read this again. The ID requirement, says Democrat New York City Councilman Mark Levine, is to help reduce fraud. Venues covered by the VAC screening program are required to check ID for those 18 plus. ID for 12 plus is optional. The COVID safe app allows you to upload a picture of your ID if you don't want to carry it. So it's, it's easy to work around. It's easy to acquire, he says, and the point is to help reduce fraud. Gee, you don't say. So now, if, if the Democrats are going to keep up this line of argument that it is essential that you get an ID, an official New York ID, a government ID, in order to go to a restaurant, in order really to go in anywhere to any kind of recreational venue, but it's evil and terrible to make you to get an ID to vote. What you are saying is that we need to have higher standards for eating a sandwich than we have for protecting our democratic republic. We need to, there is a higher standard of proof required to go have tapas on the Lower East Side than to protect our constitutional order. This guy, Mark Levine, you know, you know what he sounds like to me? He sounds like an extremist. And there are a lot of extremists out there. If you turn, tune into uh, some British morning show, <laughs> I don't even know the name of it. They're really concerned about extremist language. Here, here is the, if you hear your kid using these kinds of words, you better intervene quickly. They're finding these young boys on, on gaming sites and, and um, can parents look out for maybe language that they use, young, their young sons might be using, Tell-tale or behaviour that they might have? Yes, they can. So there are lots of bits of language that might be red flags referring to people as normies or as triggered. Normies is the word incels use for people outside their community. Uh, triggered, based, cucked, describing being red-pilled or black-pilled, which are words they use yeah. to describe being infiltrated into the ideology. Yeah. And it's worth saying as well that they see this as a kind of conduit to other forms of extremism. It isn't completely separate from far-white white nationalist, white supremacist mm. movements. They actually really see it as a slipway. So parents might see a combination of perhaps also racism creeping in as well. The incel community is a very racist community. This is a racist ideology. And of course, white supremacist is a deeply misogynistic ideology. If your son is not a cuck, if he does not want to be a cuck, he might be an extremist white supremacist. My my British accent is getting worse and worse by the day. As though cuck, which is one of the oldest insults in the world. I mean, Italians actually have different symbols. They wear it as jewelry. The little horn thing it looks like, or the little, the, like the rock star symbol that Italians wear. That's the symbol of the cornuto, of the cuck, the cuckold, the idea that your wife is cheating on you. You've got an unfaithful wife. This is a very basic insult. There are m- many of these others as well. But if you use them, some of which are quite dated now, actually, your kid is an extremist. No better than a terrorist. You've got to watch out. All, every, all the conservatives are terrorists. All the leftists, wonderful, great people. We got to kick one group out of society and society is only fit for the other one. You know, this is really getting my blood flowing, my red iron rich blood because it's full of iron because of how much I love good ranchers. Did you know that over 80% of the grass fed beef sold in the United States is imported from overseas? 
Well, my friends, the good ranchers, have traveled the country on a mission to help the American family by working together with local farms and ranches and shipping straight to your door. Goodranchers.com is a safe and convenient way to order your meat. They save your family money and they help the American farmer. I was eating Good Ranchers just two nights ago. I had their delicious burgers and they were absolutely magnificent. And sweet little Elisa loved them too. Goodranchers.com delivers American craft beef and better than organic chicken. They got T-bones, fillets, strips, gourmet burgers, and more. For me, I'd go for the strips and the burgers, but your mileage may vary. At half the price of online competitors, you get the steakhouse quality you deserve, whatever cut that you like, at a price that every family can afford. Go to GoodRanchers.com to buy now or subscribe today. Save 20% on each box of mouth-watering meats. Subscribing brings the cost down to less than 5 bucks a meal. Plus, right now, get an additional 20 bucks off and free express shipping. If you go to GoodRanchers.com slash Knowles, use code Knowles at checkout. 20 bucks off and free express shipping at GoodRanchers.com slash Knowles. Know where your meat comes from with GoodRanchers.com. Also, if you're looking for an alternative to the legacy media that actually values the truth, the Daily Wire Reader's Pass is perfect for you. Just, just $4 a month, you'll unlock exclusive access to editorial content that you won't get anywhere else. And right now, get a free four-week trial when you sign up at dailywire.com slash subscribe. Hurry, this deal will not last much longer. Also, if you watch the Matt Walsh show, you might have heard that the Sweet Baby Gang is in need of a Sweet Baby Anthem. This is now your last chance to submit yours. Matt's looking for an original song that embodies the Sweet Baby Gang. All submissions should be in the form of YouTube video links. will be judged American Idol style by myself, by uh, other Daily Wire hosts, and you, the viewer, will be voting on which song wins. Submissions end tomorrow, August 25th. Voting will take place on Labor Day. Tune in to the Matt Walsh YouTube channel to watch the judging of the submissions. The winner will be announced September 8th on the Matt Walsh Show. This is your last chance. Go to dailywire.com SBG to enter. We'll be right back with a lot more. Can you believe it's only been, what, it's been about seven months since the attempted coup d'etat, since the uh, attempt, the well-organized attempt to take over the American government. We were this close to tyranny, the insurrection, the worst event since the War of 1812. We were told that, right? We were told this was directed by Trump. Trump called for the insurrection. It was organized. It was plotted. It was a conspiracy by all the various nefarious. Charlie Kirk was probably in. Alex Jones was involved. The, D Jared Kushner. I don't know. All the They just throw out random names that are in any way associated with the American right. It was D Roger Stone. They all, well, the FBI has come out. They've been investigating this thing. And this is according to Reuters, not exactly a conservative news website, quote, the FBI has found scant evidence that the January 6th attack on the U.S. Capitol was the result of an organized plot to overturn the presidential election result, according to four current and former law enforcement officials. Though federal officials have arrested more than 50, 570 alleged participants, the FBI at this point believes the violence was not centrally coordinated by far-right groups or prominent supporters of then-President Donald Trump, according to the sources who have been either directly involved in or briefed regularly on the wide-ranging investigations. Huh. Because we, we have a, a January 6th commission right now, you know, the big investigation 
which is exclusively being run by Democrats, Democrats in the House, plus two fake Republicans, Liz Cheney and Adam Kinzinger, who are court jester conservatives, whose whole point is to just sort of prop up the liberal establishment edifice. So they're, they're telling us we've got to get to the bottom of this organized central plot coup d'etat. Well, the FBI has been investigating too. They say, nope, it's not. It's not, quote, 90 to 95% of these are one-off cases, said a former senior law enforcement official with knowledge of the investigation. Then you have 5% maybe of these militia groups that were closely organized. But there was no grand scheme with Roger Stone and Alex Jones and all of these people to storm the Capitol and take hostages. This is Reuters saying this, by the way. So brings up an important side point, but it's an important one, how to read the news. When the news is potentially bad for a Republican and the mainstream establishment media go easy on it, you can probably believe it. Because it's very simple why the, the establishment media take every chance that they can to attack Republicans. Sometimes they'll make up negative stories out of whole cloth. So if the establishment media are going easy on Republicans, it means that you can trust the report because it really means they can't find anything. The same would not be true of the establishment media going after Democrats or even some far right wing media group. There aren't that many of them, but going after Democrats, right? Because the incentives there are such that they want to find something. But, but, but in this case, the media, they want to find something about the Republicans they're reporting nicely about them, which means they don't have it. They don't have it. It's not, and I, I hate to say I told you so, but early on during the January 6th, remember the worst event said, oh yeah, this is bad. It's not good. It doesn't look good. It obviously didn't accomplish very much. These poor people now are going to rot in prison. That's, that's unfortunate. I don't, I don't like that. Wish, wish we had done so. Frankly, I wish there had been something a little more coordinated within the political system that could have looked into some discrepancies in Georgia or perhaps in Arizona or obviously what happened in Pennsylvania. You know, I, I wish it had been more effective. But, but I said, the idea that the horn guy is leading the insurrection is preposterous. It was laughable at the time and it remains even more risible today. What was the, pl- they got in, right? They got, if this were an insurrection and they really made it in to the Capitol, and the, then they would have formed a new government. But if they were just some guys in horn hats dancing around and the the smiley guy with the Pelosi lectern, then they're not going to form a new government because it's not an insurrection, which is what the FBI has concluded. Speaking of regime change, speaking of coup coup d'etat, Larry Elder, our pal Larry Elder, looking pretty good in this recall election in California. And we've been talking about the recall for a long time. There's this effort for years building up now to recall Gavin Newsom because he was a terrible governor. I say with personal firsthand experience of what a horrible governor he is. I fled the state in part because of his poor leadership. So there were these people who were trying to replace him. You had Kevin Falconer down there in San Diego, I guess a good Republican, but he just didn't have the name recognition or the fundraising ability. John Cox had already gotten beaten by, by Newsom. Same thing. Didn't really raise money. Didn't have name recognition. Bruce Jenner, that, that, who's not really conservative in any meaningful sense of the term. <laughs> he said, I don't have any loyalty to the Republicans. I don't have any loyalty to Trump. I'm mostly focused on the LGBT emphasis on the T community to say nothing of the fact that he clearly has a tenuous relationship with reality on very basic questions. So that wasn't going to work. That was always a distraction. Republicans didn't really support him. 
And then Larry Elder came in. Larry Elder, a little more libertarian than I would like in my sort of candidate. I mean, he's, he's much more libertarian, I think, than conservative, but he's got some strong conservative stances. I like the guy, pretty straight shooter. He would be an extraordinarily great improvement in California. And, and here's what's crucial. He actually has a shot. The way I know he's got a shot is that the left is taking him really seriously. The way I know he's really got a shot is that the left is now calling him a white supremacist. That's how you know that you've got a really strong Republican candidate is when someone who has never been accused or never been involved in, you know, racial, terrible things, when just out of the blue, he gets called a white supremacist, even in the case of Larry Elder, if he's a black guy. So (laughs) I kid you not, this is the headline from the LA Times. Larry Elder is the black face of white supremacy. You've been warned. He's the, he's the black face of don't, don't let his black skin, his upbringing in South Central fool you. No, no, he's a white supremacist. Is it even worth trying to read this article? I don't, I don't think so. Here's one. I won't lie, writes this person. Few things infuriate me more than watching a black person use willful blindness and cherry-picked facts to make overly simplistic arguments that whitewash the complex problems that come along with being black in America. Few things delight me more than watching libs rend their garments and gnash their teeth when they face a serious challenge from a conservative, especially in this case, a black conservative, because the, they'll call anyone a white supremacist. I mean, they call Trump a white supremacist. If I, if I ever run for anything, I'm sure they'll call me a white supremacist, despite my swarthiness. They call, they call everyone a white supremacist. Hitler, neo-Nazi, they did it to Reagan. They do it to everybody. But it's really funny when they do it to a black guy, right? Because it's so preposterous. Good, this is good news for Larry Elder. I mean, he's, he's doing very well in the polls. The polls are a little weird on this race because the only poll that really matters if you're Larry Elder is whether you recall or you don't recall. Because there's the first question on the ballot is, do you want to recall Newsom? Yes or no. The next question is, who do you want to replace him? Larry Elder is trouncing everyone else in the, in the who do you want to replace him part right now. So the only question that matters is yes or no. If 50% plus one voter say yes, then he's recalled. If more voters say no, he's not recalled. But if he's recalled, Larry Elder almost certainly will be the governor. The way you know that Larry Elder is also in a good position right now, California regulators are trying to sink his candidacy. So not, we're not talking about the political operatives. We're not talking about the establishment media, but I repeat myself. We're talking about actual officials in the state of California who think, "Uh uh-oh, yikes. Mm, This guy's getting a little too close. So now According to reports, California regulators have launched an investigation into whether recall election gubernatorial candidate Larry Elder failed to properly disclose his income sources, according to the Fair Political Practices Commission. So this is completely bogus. It's extremely stupid. Uh, What they're going to suggest is that Larry Elder didn't file some form that he should have filed. And, or maybe he forgot to mention that he wrote some book or something or that, you know, he, he gave a speech or his, he went on tour or something like that. N- none of which would have any relationship to his recall campaign. Right? This recall campaign's only been going on for some weeks now. It's not like this guy's been running for years and years and years trading on his political influence. 
but they're going to say, no, he forgot to file form 267. So he's out. This, this is the way that bureaucracy clamps down on the will of the people and on our democratic and Republican systems. They go, no, you missed up this technicality. You missed it. So now we're going to have to come in and try to suppress your campaign. This is still good news for Larry Elder. It means they're genuinely afraid of him, which means that, that Newsom may well be voted out of office. Another terrible governor just did leave office yesterday. I think it was yesterday, right? Yeah, no, today. Today is his last day in office. I think he's officially out t- today. He's no longer governor. Andrew Cuomo. Andrew Cuomo just a couple days ago was, was giving a press conference about the weather, basically. He was giving a press conference about these storms and how New Yorkers can prepare for them. He was asked a question, obviously, about what people really care about, his resignation and the scandals. And he snapped at the reporter. So yesterday, your personal attorney, Rita Glavin, suggested that she had information that would call into question Charlotte Bennett's credibility. Why do you think it's appropriate for your attorney to make those remarks without providing significant evidence to back up the claim? Yeah. You know, I don't want to get uh, into Albany politics, uh, which is uh, what has been going on for the past few months. Uh, This is about a storm briefing to save lives of New Yorkers. Uh, But you're the law journal. Uh, If you think justice is to accept a complaint from a person without investigation, uh, and without credibility determinations, and without uh, looking at past actions of that person, uh, then you don't know what the justice system is. Uh, I can make a complaint about you today. Maybe it's true, maybe it's not true, uh, but that's why they do investigations. Every day, Cuomo sounding more and more like a Corleone, <laughs> Every, more and more like a mobster. Um, Governor Cuomo, you're still attacking your accusers. So why do you think that's possible to do or or, uh, acceptable to do without evidence? Yeah, maybe I, maybe I make a few accusations about you. Maybe that's my father, Kay. That's not me. Luca Brazzi came over. He's going to make you an offer you can't refuse. He says either your signature or your brains are going to be on the contract. Mr. Reporter! (laughs) Sad end. Sad end for Andrew Cuomo's political career. I mean, it's a happy end, I guess, for all of us on the Republican side of the aisle, all of us who want good government in New York. But it is corrupt over there. And, you know, in fairness to Cuomo, he's a pretty crooked guy, but he's not the most crooked guy in in Albany. I mean, New York state politics is a very corrupt endeavor. So crooked as he may be, it's that it's that whole swamp. It's that whole just disgusting blob up there in in New York. And they took him down, and that's good. That's something worth celebrating. Now let's let's do Newsom now. That's the next one up, everybody. We got one down, one to go. Speaking of governors who clearly want to be president, Christy Nome. Christy Nome is the governor in South Dakota. She made a big splash during COVID because she didn't really lock down her state. And that was great stuff. I mean, she showed really strong leadership. Then people began to speak about her as a potential presidential candidate. She looks good. She talks good. She had been governing quite well. And then she started to go a little bit squish. So a bill crossed her desk 
regarding whether or not men should be able to compete in women's sports in schools. And she vetoed it. She wouldn't go along with it. She said, it's okay. We, I'm happy to go along with this and kick the men out of women's sports K through 12, but I'm not willing to go along with this to kick men out of women's sports at the college level. And the excuses that were given by her people is that, well, you know, then we might lose some NCAA events. Well, then we might lose some money. Well, maybe, you know, the, I think what was implied was some corporations don't feel so happy about this. And so she went a little bit squishy on what I think should be a pretty simple question, a basic question of principle. Should women be allowed to be a separate category from men? Should women be accepted as their own category with their own bathrooms, with their own sports or not? And Christine Ohm went squish. So now she's come out and she said, if Joe Biden illegally mandates vaccines, I will take every action available under the law to protect South Dakotans from the federal government. Well, that's good. I'm glad that she's doing that. But I think there's reason for skepticism because back last February, in February of 2020, she had the opportunity to sign a bill that would prevent vaccine mandates by schools. And she refused to do it. And she came out very strongly in favor of vaccine mandates by schools. And I get why she did it. There's a long history in the United States of schools mandating certain vaccines. And she said, so vaccines are good. Some vaccines obviously are good. And so I'm going to stand by those vaccine mandates. Now she's coming out saying, if Biden illegally mandates vaccines, I'm going to take every action available under the law to protect South Dakotans. Well, what changed? What changed? And will she really do it? I'm not so sure. I don't mean to cast any aspersions, you know, at at Christy Nome or anyone else. But when we're talking about who is going to be the Republican standard bearer in 2024, we're going to need more than pretty talk. We're going to need a record. We're going to need concrete actions. We're going to need to know somebody because now everyone is trying to talk like Trump. Now everyone is trying to talk nice and tough. And don't forget the people who become governor, senator, presidential candidates, These are very good politicians. These are varsity level politicians who can really tell which way the wind is blowing much better than than other people can. And and they're going to change the way they speak as a result. But are they going to change their behavior? Do they have credibility? Are they going to follow through? That I don't know. I'd almost have more respect for Christy Noem if she came out and said, look, some vaccines are good. I think it's totally right for schools to mandate the pertussis vaccine, for instance, whooping cough. But this vaccine was obviously hastily developed. It's still an experimental drug. It's to fight a, a virus that is not particularly dangerous to most people. And so, and especially not particularly dangerous to kids. And so we're not going to mandate it. If she got into the specifics and explained why she would vote for one thing, but not for the other. I'm, I'm cool with that. I think that's actually a good exercise in judgment and political leadership. But if it's just going to be pretty words, that's not going to work in 2024. Speaking of mandates, the American Bar Association, this is the organization of lawyers, the organization that is is involved in accredited law schools, is now mandating diversity training and affirmative action, according to reports. The American Bar Association is poised to mandate diversity training and affirmative action at all of its accredited law schools, 
says one report, a move top legal scholars say could jeopardize academic freedom and force schools to violate federal law. They'd be violating federal law by taking race into account in things like admissions. Schools would be required to, quote, take effective actions to, quote, diversify their student bodies, even when doing so risks violating a law that purports to prohibit consideration of race or ethnicity. Shows you how the game is stacked. Shows you how there's no neutrality. In the law, and not just in the law, but in the organization that kind of runs the law, in the organization of the lawyers and that, that shapes the law schools, they are now going to weigh in on the side of radical leftist policy in violation of the law in some cases. How strange. For the squishy Republicans, the squishy conservatives, who, who believe that somehow secular liberalism is a neutral playing ground and we've all got to stop making substantive arguments about how we want the country to be run and we only should be making these sort of procedural arguments and all, all, we should only be just talking about how, how wonderful it is to have debate and, and openness and no, we have to be able to stand for certain things. As I've said until I'm blue in the face, we need to be able to say no. Considering race in admissions and in hiring is wrong Dis- disadvantaging whites and Asians because they, they have the wrong color skin and advantaging, giving an advantage to black and Hispanic applicants just because they have the right color skin is wrong. We're not going to do it. We're going to stand against that. Not only are we going to leave it an open question, but we're actively going to prohibit that kind of stuff. That's what we need to do. Is if you don't, if you don't actually stand for certain things, which means encouraging the good and suppressing the bad, then you're not just going to be left in this neutral playing ground of everything's up in the air. You're going to cede the ground to the left, which is willing to institute what it wants. The former attorney general, Eric Holder, says people need to get out in the streets. In raising the consciousness of people by demonstrating, by getting arrested, by doing the things that ended segregation. If you'd ask people back in the 1950s, you think marching, demonstrating is going to bring down a system of American apartheid? You probably would have said, no, that's just not going to happen. And we should not lose faith right now. We shouldn't lose faith right now. Citizens can make a change. Citizens need to be in the streets. Citizens need to be demonstrating. Citizens need to be calling their representatives to demand the kind of change um, that will make this country more representative, make our democracy more fair. That's Barack Obama's corrupt, biased, crooked Attorney General Eric Holder, who is not talking about segregation, who is not talking about uh, uh, anything involving civil rights in the mid-20th century. He's talking about a law right now that would federalize elections, give yeah, un- upend this constitutional order, and give, give already sitting elected politicians a huge advantage to keep out anyone who wants to challenge them. So corrupt. And he's saying, get out in the streets. Get out in the streets. Just like so many Democrat politicians. Go get out in the streets and pressure them and threaten them and intimidate everyone in this country into doing what you want them to do. We can't have that. We can't have a country like that. Country seems to be disintegrating all around, not just in Afghanistan, but here as well. And can you even imagine under the potential President Harris? I'm Michael Knowles. This is the Michael Knowles Show. See you tomorrow. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, The Andrew Clavin Show, and The Matt Walsh Show. 
The Michael Knowles Show is produced by Ben Davies. Executive producer, Jeremy Boring. Our technical director is Austin Stevens. Supervising producer, Mathis Glover. Production manager, Pavel Vidovsky. Editor and associate producer, Danny D'Amico. Associate producer, Justine Turley. Audio mixer, Mike Coromina. And hair and makeup by Nika Geneva. The Michael Knowles Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2021. Today on the Ben Shapiro Show, Joe Biden believes if he yells at Americans about COVID, they will forget about Afghanistan. Plus, the Biden administration continues to downplay the ongoing crisis in Afghanistan. That's today on the Ben Shapiro Show. Give it a listen. Mm-hmm. 